This podcast is from Christian Chapel in Tulsa, Oklahoma. For more information, visit us online at christianchapel.com. Every January is our Kingdom Builders emphasis at Christian Chapel, so we're going to use the last Sunday of 2023 almost as a free Sunday in 2024 and start our Kingdom Builders one week early. So um, if you're unfamiliar with Kingdom Builders, Kingdom Builders is a kingdom funding mechanism at Christian Chapel. It's over and above our regular giving and investments that we make to take the gospel globally, locally, and into the next generation. And so in 2023, through our Kingdom Builders Giving, we were able to give away over $500,000 um, to missionaries working around the world, to local ministries like Royal Family Kids Camp, and into next-generation investments like Kids Camp Scholarships and Student Mission Trip Scholarships. Your generosity means that every year at Christian Chapel, through Kingdom Builders, we give away between 20 and 30% of our annual budget, uh, which is a wonderful thing that we've been able to do. It's in our DNA. Uh, this year, we're going to celebrate our 50th anniversary as a congregation. Christian Chapel was started by a pastor who was a former missionary, and from our inception, missions has been part of our DNA. Kingdom Builders is how we're continuing that expression in this season of our life. With your Kingdom Builders giving, you support over 60 missionaries and ministries working in 30 nations around the world. This morning, we have a Kingdom Builders missionary panel that is going to come and share with us. Uh, what's unique this morning is all of the missionaries that you're going to hear from are Christian Chapel members. A couple of them grew up in Christian Chapel from the nursery all the way through uh, Chapel Youth until they went off to college. Others have come in as adult members, but all of them were active participants at Christian Chapel. And in 2024, all of them are preparing to move back full-time to the nations where God has called them to serve. And so when we talk about kingdom builders at Christian Chapel, we don't want to just be a missions-supporting church. We want to be a missions-sending church. And what that means is we're not just people who give money and pray, but we are also people who are willing to listen to God's voice. And if he calls us, we're willing to obey regardless of how available or skilled we think we might be in this particular season of life. This morning, you'll hear from missionaries who were called um, as children, as teenagers. You'll hear from missionaries who were called uh, very much later in life and in unexpected ways. But what you're going to hear over and over are stories of obedience and stories of how God is using that obedience to grow his kingdom in new places among new people groups. So if you will please help me welcome our four missionaries, missionary couples that are coming to share with us today. Once they get up here and get settled, we'll introduce everyone to you. All right, we'll start right here next to me. This is Ben Wade. Ben is a missionary with Overland Missions. He uh, serves primarily in Zambia. I'll let him tell you in a, a minute a little bit about their ministry and focus. Ben is a lifelong Christian chapel member, a product of the chapel nursery, chapel kids, chapel youth, chapel college, chapel young adults, <laughs> chapel everything. Uh, chapel kitchen, I'm sure at some point. Um, but, but just every, everything in every way, Ben is Christian chapel. 
Um, next to Ben, we have Shane and Chelsea Blodorn. Shane and Chelsea also serve with Overland Missions in Zambia. Chelsea also, lifelong member of Christian Chapel. Uh, Shane joined us when he was in college, when his family moved to town. Uh, found Chelsea in the Chapel College group. So uh, Chapel College Young Adults, just strong plugs there. Uh, lots of good things happening. So um, they'll tell us a little bit more about who they are and what they're doing. Next to Shane and Chelsea, we have our newest missionaries, Dave and Patty Schatzman. Dave and Patty are longtime members of Christian Chapel, um, had a brief interlude where they lived in Florida for a while, came to their senses and moved home, and uh, planted themselves right back at Christian Chapel when they landed here. They are recently appointed Assemblies of God World Missionaries who will serve in Micronesia and are getting ready uh, just here in February, hopefully, to take off uh, for a two-year term that they've accepted. Next to them are Sean and Sarah Morton. Sean and Sarah are uh, serving as the directors of Serving Paraguay. They'll tell us a little bit more about that. But Sean and Sarah and their four kids uh, have just really planted themselves in a significant way at Christian Chapel over the last five or six years, served in so many areas, so many different capacities. And actually this, um, this summer, they both felt called by God. They'd been running Serving Paraguay while working jobs here in Tulsa. And the summer felt like God was calling them to quit those jobs so that they would be able to move with their family to make more significant investments in Paraguay this year. And so that's, that's on the radar for them here uh, coming up very quickly. So uh, we'll just kind of start down the line. Sean and Sarah, we'll start with you. How did you guys know you were supposed to be missionaries? So if we've got somebody here who's thinking, maybe I should, maybe I shouldn't, um, what can they learn from your story? Well, um, I can't tell you specifically, but the Lord can. Um, so when I was a teenager, everybody on the stage has incredible stories about how God has called them. When I was a teenager, I was at a summer camp, and I was praying to the Lord, um, God, what do you want me to do? I'm a planner. I like to know things far in advance. That's my personality. So I was like, Lord, what do you want me to do? What area of ministry? At what time frame? Uh, you know, as a teenager, 15 years old, and the Lord spoke to me in that service, and he told me, you'll go where I tell you to. And I, I saw in my spirit, like, the world spinning, and I just felt like he was telling me, calm down, Sarah, obey me, listen to me, and go where I tell you to go. And whether that's Tulsa, Oklahoma, or whether that's um, Itawa, Paraguay, wherever it is, just be obedient to me. And I think that's the calling he has for all of us. We're all called to be missionaries. We're all called to be obedient in whatever season and whatever location that we're in. Thanks. Dave and Patty, how about you guys? Little, little different experience? Just a wee little bit different. Um, we were not 15. It was almost reversed. <laughs> Flip those numbers and then add a few. <laughs> but just uh, last, not last, June 5th, 2022, we were in the service just like y'all. And we had a guest speaker here. His name was Brian Webb. He was, he's the area director for Pacific Oceana. And he spoke... And the Holy Spirit spoke. My, my heart was just moved through the entire service. And at the end of the service, he made a call for anyone who felt like the Lord was calling them uh, to consider missions. And I'm like, yeah, I need to go forward. I look over. Patty was on my right. I kind of look over. Not. <laughs> and uh, she wasn't moving. So I thought, nope, I'm staying put because that's... Uh, you gotta you gotta be paired up when you do God's work like that, and and so uh, we were home, sitting down for lunch, and we be, we began talking about the service. Patty shared with me how at the end of the service when he made that call, she wanted to jump out of her chair, and I said, "What?" 
so I wanted to go. And, and literally right from that moment, we knew that God had done something in both of us that neither of us could deny. And at any point in the future, when Satan tried to, tries to tell either one of us, no, you shouldn't be going, the other one will go, oh, uh, nope, nope. You know, God, you remember when? And we had that experience. So that was what he did for us. That's great. That's great. Shane and Chelsea, how about you guys? How would you know you're supposed to be missionaries? Yeah, for both of us, you know, we grew up going on short-term mission trips. Chelsea grew up going on the missions adventure from the kids' church here. And now we actually get to be a part of that, sharing what we do with, with children here. And it's a, an amazing full circle, I think. But um, in, in high school and things like that, going on the short-term trips, both of us felt like, yeah, this is what we're supposed to do. God's calling us to missions. And then we both separately, we didn't know each other then, but then we went to college and kind of started living for ourselves, you know? We were, like, pursuing careers, the American dream, and all of these things. And um, for me, I thought, well, I'm going to pre-med, I'll become a doctor, and I'll go once a year as a missions trip, which is fine. It's wonderful. Please do that. If you're a doctor, come visit us and do that. But I was walking in disobedience, because that's not what God had told me to do. And so... Um, I started finishing school, and I started really pursuing God, and I realized that's not what I'm called to do. But I don't know what. I did know what, but I didn't want to admit it to myself um, because it's a big commitment. It's, you know, you have dreams and plans. I want to get married. I want to do this. What if I go on the missions field? I won't meet someone, and I'll end up, you know, not getting married. These, all these things that are real considerations and counting the costs, but I wasn't there yet. And it was on a Sunday morning sitting right over here. Um, it wasn't a – I don't think it was a missionary – speaker or anything. I think it was just a tip, quote-unquote typical Sunday. But as you know, with God, nothing is typical. And I was in a place of seeking him. What do you want me to do with my life? I just spent this, all these years and all this money getting this degree. I can't waste it. Um, and that's when he said, no, I, I, I already told you what I want you to do. And I called you when you were young. And are you willing to lay down, submit your life, and obey what I've told you to do? And just trust me. And I will use everything that you have, everything you've done, um, if you just trust me and obey. And I, what do you say to that? You say, yes. And so I said, yes. And I told my mom, and she said, yeah, I know. Which was, uh, <laughs> <laughs> was like, well, you could have told me earlier. I would have, would have appreciated it. But, um, and through that process, while at Christian Chapel, that's when I met Chelsea. And she was also going through a similar thing. And um, in that process, both of us answered the call. I didn't say this in the first service, but it's kind of funny. Um, he was thinking about uh, going with Dick Brogdon to Egypt, and at that time, um, there was a lot of persecution happening then. And he told me that he was going first time I met him, and my spirit was like, oh, I want to go, and I didn't know him at all. And I was like, okay, you are literally insane, or it's the Holy Spirit. Um, because I didn't know him, didn't, had never been to Egypt, missions wasn't on my radar, but it just sparked that uh, desire. And so... Of course, then it unfolded, and here we are um, in Zambia. Yeah, that's great. Ben, how about you? Yeah, for me, um, it was actually around this time of year when I was 15 years old. We actually had a missions conference for the youth, and I remember we had a mission speaker. And, you know, just growing up in the church for a long time, you know, there's always a pamphlet, always like a book available to you. And I just remember just very, very convicted of like what he was saying, and I was like, Lord, I don't want another pamphlet. I don't want another book. I just want to know if this is something you want me to do. And for me, like, really, I think at 15, you kind of get to the point in your faith, if you grew up in church the whole time, it's like, I don't have my life to myself. Like, you paid it all on the cross. I'm really indebted to you, and 
I think I just really came to grips with that. And I just remember as a 15-year-old being very sincere. I'm like, Lord, I'm going to pray about the weekend. I want to know if this is something for, you know, you have for me. And I did. And um, on a Monday night, I was trying to go to sleep, fully awake, though. And I just started to hear these hellish cries come from the hallway. And as a kid, I, you know, 15 years old, I was just terrified. And uh, from a kid, I was just told, if you just say the name of Jesus, you know, those demonic things would flee. And I did out loud. I just said, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. And just like that, the screams stopped. And the Lord just started can you hold on a second to service? Yeah, it's just, you know, the Holy Spirit, let me just tell you guys, like, there's not a safe seat in here because he can call you. And, uh, um, but he just started to give me a, a vision of people I knew at school that did not know the Lord, people from other cultures around the world that did not know the Lord. And it just resonated with me, and I didn't sleep well that night. I kind of kept it to myself, not knowing, you know, what to make of it. Um, and then that Wednesday rolled around, and... Um, New pastor at the time um, did something really different. He's after our worship set. He's like, "Hey, I just want you know only a few of you to stay that feel like the Lord's doing something very unique, you know, in your life right now, and you, you'll know if you need to stay. The rest of you go play this game outside we have for you." And I think a handful of us stayed, you know. And I don't remember what the message was about, but I just remember uh, just telling the Lord, like, "Okay, wherever you want me to go, whatever you want me to do, it's all yours." And so. It's incredible. It's incredible. Thanks. Thanks. Uh, so tell us a little bit about your primary ministry focus. So Ben, we'll start with you. If you were with us on Christmas Eve, um, you saw some of Ben's work with the, the water well repair that he does. Um, but we'll let him tell you a little bit more and then everybody else just kind of fill us in on where you're serving, what you're doing. Um, yeah, so it's, uh, it's kind of wonderful that you did have a video last week to kind of get the feel of what I do in Zambia. Um, so primarily, it's really changed into a managerial role where we have trained about 50 indigenous ministers in Zambia how to do water projects. And so these are ministers that are in different, uh, 16 different chiefdoms around Zambia. And it's really bolstering their ministry, uh, being there full time. Um, but it's also water projects for us has really been... Uh, a big door open to a lot of different places uh, where we're trying to get into maybe for the first time um, with expeditions. So Overland is really known to go into the most remote, most neglected areas we can find. And that might take a military truck or a riverboat to get to these places. But um, it's really been a just relationship building process. You know, when we go and to the first time maybe to a village and we can fix a borehole and just really show love in action. You know, if we believe the gospel, it's really moving us with the motivation to love others. Um, Obviously, the gospel is enough in itself, but when love cares, it it, it speaks volumes. Um, And so for us, it's um, it's just been wonderful to work with these guys and do these trainings um, to build more um, local indigenous leaders to do water projects. And then, Ben, uh, just real quick, explain your living arrangements, both what they were and what they are now when you're in Zambia. And so when I first joined staff, we lived in tents, like a safari tent. Um, So I did that for about four to five years. But the weather Uh, was really pleasant. It was really pleasant. It only gets to like 120 degrees, 130 degrees in October. Um, This tent was also shared with three other guys, and it's about the size, I don't know, like a 10 by 15 foot tent, something like that. And I, I know you guys have done that as well. Um, <laughs> true, yeah. But, um, you know, no, no bathroom or running water. You had to go walk, you know, like a hundred feet in the middle of the night to 
you know, help yourself. <laughs> but now I'm blessed with a kind of a duplex situation. Um, it's still like a, a home that has a, a, a grass roof, um, no air conditioning, you know, um, but it's a huge step up to um, having to, you know, share with a lot of different people. And um, it's been a big blessing. Yeah. Yeah. So just uh, to be clear, when, when we are giving to kingdom builders, we're not giving so our missionaries live like kings. Um, <laughs> squalor, honestly, for Ben. <laughs> uh, but it's getting better, and we're praying for him, and we're investing in that with him. Yeah, he's decorated it very well. Yeah. There you go. Very good. Shane and Chelsea, how about you guys? What's your primary ministry in Zambia? Yeah, so we are in a remote sector, um, about seven hours from the nearest uh, city, and uh, our main focus is evangelism and discipleship. And so we use a lot of different tools to accomplish that mission, and one of them is we have several guys who have been trained by Ben who are able to repair boreholes and start revival meetings and discipleship classes at those boreholes. Um, and so that's been a powerful tool. Uh, but our overall vision is to equip and empower local leaders, to raise up, identify and raise up local people who have the call of God on their life, have a hunger for the things of God. We pour into them, disciple them, help them bring in kingdom culture instead of Zambian culture or American culture, and pour the word of God into them, allow the Holy Spirit to move in, the, in their life, set them free from all the things that have kept them back, and then just get them caught on fire and have them start going so that they are evangelizing and discipling their own people. So essentially, we want to work ourselves out of a job as fast as we can in any given area by raising up the local network. Um, we also have a Bible school that Christian Chapel has participated in a lot, um, and we had 21 graduates this last class round, and we're in the process of translating it into the local language now, and we're expecting it. We're going to have to cut it off at about 40 students. It's a two-year-long program, 15 books, to, to really disciple them, get them into ministry, and set them up as leaders in their community, in their churches, and in, especially in their families. And so, yeah. And uh, we, have a, we have 50 indigenous leaders and 10 westernized missionaries who, that is new, and we have also moved into um, that managing role, um, which is a lot different than what we would expect. A lot of logistics happen. Um, a lot of finance happens, um, which is necessary um, in order to, to get it going. But we get to support those um, those leaders, and we really intensely disciple them. We you know, do anything from just individual discipleship, just encourage them in the walk with the Lord, as discipleship is, getting into the mess of their life, you know, even missionaries and ministers are not perfect and have stuff that they work through. And that is both American and indigenous ones. Um, we, dis we do a lot of uh, marriage counseling, actually, with both, both um, sets. Um, we've been married 10 years. We don't have all the wisdom in the world, but we know that the Lord has given us his spirit, and we have just been able to encourage a lot of um, marriages and families. And it's just been such an awesome blessing and honor to do that. Um, working with the unity in churches all in the areas, because there's a lot of, there are a lot of established churches. Um, Pastor Chris talked about that in the first service. You can walk by churches, drive by here, but walk by churches. Um, but very little are actually preaching the true word of God. And so through the Bible school and through discipleship, walking that out in reality of life, not just, oh, here's a sermon, but how does that apply to your life? That's what we get to do. And it is so awesome. And it's such an honor and a privilege to be able to do that in this setting with both indigenous Zambians and also our American team too. Very good. Dave and Patty, a little different for you guys. You're getting ready to go for the first time. Uh, so what are some of your expectations? What's been communicated to you as you're getting ready to leave? Well, I'll say this, Pastor Chris, uh, 
in our missionary training, they, they told us to be careful about your expectations because I think probably all of you veteran missionaries have, have experienced uh, expectations not coming to pass. And so we, we really are going with very open hearts. At our age, we're just happy to be alive. And <laughs> <laughs> oh. oh, that wasn't in my notes. <laughs> but... But we're, we are not coming from backgrounds of ministry. God called us from uh, careers, 35-plus 30, years of careers, and we get to come under the, our, the Assemblies of God wing of community, community development. Patty being a nurse, she's going to be able to do what she's longed to do for 35 years. She has dreamt about delivering babies in remote areas, and as a nurse... Here in, here in the States, that only happens if a doctor doesn't make it in the room. Out there, they don't have doctors on many of these small remote islands. She will be acting much like a doctor. And I tell everybody her favorite parts when she gets to pull teeth. Not really. She's not looking forward to that. But that is one of the things that she can do. And I'm, I'm sure I'll be getting a call for Dave pliers. That means Dave, come pull a tooth out. Um, so she'll be doing that. And I will be doing whatever it is that God tells me. One of the things that I know is the, the leading cause of death on many of these smaller islands is suicide. And that's for people 25 years of age and younger. It's unbelievable that kids that young are, are taking their lives. And it's because they have no hope. The hope of these people is in their land, their very small piece of land. And the way that we're seeing things happen is the waters are rising. You know, the, the ice age has come to an end and, and things are starting to melt. The water's rising and everything they have and hope for is in that little piece of land. And many of these kids are saying or, or seeing in their minds by the lie of the enemy, there's no hope. This island will be gone before you're dead. So just end it. So they're ending it. So we get to go with the hope of Jesus to tell them about a new place that they can focus on and live for that home, not this home. Um, I'll be doing things like after-school programs, uh, possibly a little bit of clean water project. Some of the islands, they have wells. Others maybe desalinization, so they need water filtration. Whatever they need in the community. And the whole point of community development is to usher in a team that will come and plant churches where there are no churches. So we're excited about being part of what God's going to do in amazing ways. And in the process, we're going to be building relationships and, and hopefully just really living love and showing them Jesus in a practical way. Very good. Sean and Sarah, directors of Serving Paraguay, yeah. what's, what's the primary focus there? So we have been working in Paraguay since 2009, and... Uh, our primary focus is working with children, and that's, that's kind of how we got our foot in the door, I guess. We, we both grew up working with kids in various settings and really just um, loved working with children and went there to really just volunteer at a children's home. That very quickly turned into much more than we had expected, as God often does. He surprises you. Uh, we were in our 20s, and we found ourselves in charge of a ministry, um, and so we started, primarily we run a, a family-based residential care model children's home. 
uh, for children that have um, usually been removed legally from their families and are in this kind of legal limbo where most of them aren't adoptable, but they can't really go back to their families. So they're just kind of in this no man's land. So we have worked to try to keep sibling groups together, tried to uh, provide them with a Christian home to grow up in. Uh, so we, we employ a Christian couple that lives in a home on site, and our, we have a, a ministry facility of about close to 44 acres um, where they, they live in a, in a home in a neighborhood and just really want to try to give them a Christian family that they can grow up in. Uh, the second arm of what we do, our main ministry focus, actually is a school that kind of sprung out of that where I had asked a girl, uh, you know, or one of our first years there, you know, what do you, what do you want to be when you grow up? And she was eight. And she just gave me a blank stare. And it occurred to me that she was not in a position in life where she had the privilege of entertaining that question. And that was, that was a game changer for me. And we realized very quickly we need to be able to give these kids the ability to dream, uh, to be not just educated, but to live a life that honors God, that they can transform their communities, they can, they can have families of their own. And um, that was really just our heart and our passion. Um, and as God often does, again, he surprises you. Uh, out of that grew a track and field program, which may sound like a weird third arm there, but um, has really been instrumental uh, in, in our ministry, I think, connecting with the larger community and, and just the nation as a whole. We have a, a nationally recognized track and field program. Uh, we've got athletes that have won international competitions that are competing in the Pan, Pan American Games. Uh, we have a student coming here in January that's going to be attending ORU on a, on a track scholarship and um, just some really cool, cool stuff God has done uh, through that. And the end goal is that people will know Jesus. We want our, our children to grow up in families that they know Jesus. Why? Just so we can check a list? No, because we want them to be able to live transformed lives. They're going to transform other lives. They're going to honor God and glorify him because that's what we're here for. That's great. That's great. Uh, so, Sean and Sarah, we'll stay with you guys and kind of work our way back. As you're looking forward to 2024, two questions. What are some of your um, primary ministry goals, focus in 2024? And then how can we, as your church family, pray with you? Yeah, so as we look ahead to the, to the year that's coming, Sean mentioned that we have a Christian school. It now has about 300 students from K-4 through 12th grade. Um, we employ about 43 people in Paraguay on our team. And so for the coming year in our school, we're really wanting to focus on discipleship. We've had Bible classes, um, chapel services, and sort of informal discipleship, but we want to kind of strengthen that, tighten that up, and have a program where um, we can really get our students involved and, and walk through a process of discipleship. And like Chelsea was saying, like the hard stuff of life, just walking through discipleship with people is so important, and that's how we grow in our faith. And so we want to um, implement this program in our school. We're also looking at other strategies just to strengthen families in our community. Um, with 300 students, we touch a lot of community families through those students. Um, so we're going to be launching some new initiatives with our parents for parent training um, and family strengthening programs that will prevent children from ever getting to the situation where they would need to go into a children's home like ours by strengthening families and helping them to be healthy, to understand that God should be the central focus of the home. Um, so that's kind of two of our um, primary goals for the coming year. And some ways you can pray for us. Yeah. Uh, definitely pray the Lord will give us wisdom and discernment. Uh, anytime you're navigating, really just in your own culture, but especially cross-culturally, language barriers, just all those, all those things that are, that are present, um, that the Lord would give us, give our team discernment on how we can, we can best do what he's asking us to do. Um, for years, you know, we worked in a school, and I would tell my students, you know, you really just have to figure out two questions. 
you know, what is the Lord asking you to do? And are you willing to say yes if it's a hard thing? And um, that the Lord would just give us wisdom to keep saying yes, even if what he says to do is a hard thing. Uh, I'd appreciate prayer about that because this, this has been a challenging transition for us. It was not on our radar a couple years ago. I'll be a little transparent. A couple years ago, I felt like the Lord told me to do this. And here we are two years later that I finally, you know, in the last six months gotten to a place where I've said, okay, Lord, you know, this is, this is what you're, you're telling me to do. Um, and I pray for my, my, our kiddos, uh, our, our three youngest especially. This is a big transition for them. Uh, you know, Sammy's relearning Spanish, and James is probably will learn it very quickly because he never shuts up. <laughs> yeah, Love yeah. you, James. <laughs> so pray. <laughs> yes. Um, but pray, pray for him. Pray for, uh, pray for our kiddos that they would be able to pick up the language. And I know my kid's in here. So anyway, thank you guys. Um, I did this in the first service, and so I feel like led to put in a plug for Serving Paraguay because I had the opportunity to go there this last summer and with the Christian Chapel group. And the, Sarah and Sean have an incredible ministry there. And one of the things that you should add to their prayer list is to pray for those house parents because some of those kids are rough. And there was this one little boy, and his name was Angel Gabriel, and I said he was not an angel. And he is in house number two. Pray for house number two. And um, right the day that we were leaving, um, I gave him our prayer card, and his house dad said, would you pray for Miss Patty? And he came up, and he laid hands on me and prayed the most incredible prayer. It was in Spanish, and I caught a couple words, but it was incredible. And I looked at that little boy, and I was like, there is hope. There is hope because of these godly house parents that put up with a lot. So this is an incredible ministry, and I thank for them. And Chelsea alludes to it later about the best way that you guys can know what we're doing is to visit us. And I jokingly said, everybody's going to want to visit Dave and Patty because we're going to the islands. So, but I, I want to just tell you this too. When we told Pastor Chris God was calling us, he goes, um, I said, God's called us to an island that doesn't even have a beach. You guys, there's no beach on the island we're going. And I don't know if Pastor Chris remembers. He goes, you might want to tell people that so that they don't think you're taking early retirement to go to some tropical location. So... <laughs> Yeah. So anyways, but as far as our goal for 2024, our main purpose is to learn the language and the culture of the island that they would like to put us in, which is called Kiribati. And if you try to Google it right now, you will not find it probably. And the language is e Kiribati, and you cannot use Rosetta Stone. You cannot use Google Translation to find uh, to learn this language. So we will be doing one-on-one -on -one tutoring face-to-face -face with somebody probably 30 to 40 hours a week learning the language um, so that we can be more effective um, by speaking the language of the people that we're going to. So that's our primary goal for um, 2024. We'll be working with a veteran missionary who's been in the islands for 29 years. And with her, we'll be doing some work with the local church, um, we will also be doing some scouting trips, going to some of these remote islands to make sure that they're placing us in the right place where we can be the most effective doing our community development. So that's our main goal for 2024.
2024 and into 2025 for our two-year commitment. As far as hike, how can you pray for us? Okay, so um, number one, that this transition goes smoothly because we have been in jobs for 35 years and now we're transitioning from full-time job going into ministry. We're leaving behind um, our jobs. We're leaving behind our family. We're leaving behind all of our friends and our incredible church to go to a place in the world that we've never, ever even been. And so pray that our transition is smooth. Pray, number two, that we'll be able to learn the language quickly. They say that uh, the older you get, the harder it is to learn a second language, and we are so young up here. So anyway, so pray that we'll be able to learn that language um, easily and that it won't be too hard. And third, I pray that... Um, that God would raise up more people to respond to the call to missions. And I put in this plug everywhere because it's, it hit home. You guys, we're the only Oklahoma missionaries with the Assembly of God going to the whole Pacific area. And that's over 40 million people scattered over 30,000 islands. Australia is the biggest country there. And there is absolutely no Assembly of God missionary presence in the country of Australia. So, and where we're going in Micronesia, there are two Assembly of God missionary units for 2,100 islands with almost a half a million people. So my prayer is that God would raise up people to go. And this is what I tell everybody, because this is perfect, because of our young age up here, that you are never too young or you are never too old to be used by God when he calls you. So. Very good. Shane and Chelsea, how about you guys? What are some plans for 2024 and ways we can pray for you? Yeah, so um, with this last two years, our team has grown substantially. Um, and we're, we're going back, we'll have over, I think, what, 22 people living on the base now. We went from just a few people to 22. And in a remote location, the logistics of that is difficult. So thanks to a generosity from a lot of people, uh, this last year we were able to connect to the grid power and to drill two new boreholes, which uh, was a huge, huge blessing. I, I can't even express how life-changing that is for me um, and for the team, because I'm the one who has to take care of solar power and all of that. And so as we've been developing with this base, where there's more that we need to do to be able to make a sustainable environment uh, where families can not just survive but thrive. They can live inside of a structure rather than a tent. They can have water to bathe their kids, clean water, safe water, um, and electricity, and all these different things. And so as we go back, that'll be one of our primary focuses this year is to continue the development because we have eight kids plus uh, more on the way. All of the families are still having kids. So... Uh, we're known as the family and kid base um, in Overland because we're almost outnumbered by children. So pray for us. Pray, that's a prayer request. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that'll be one of our main focuses. Along with that um, is continuing to develop unity within the team. We know that the gospel is relational. And when, when the, the word of God transforms you, when you're born again as a new creation, it affects every part of your life, especially your relationships. So continuing to grow develop, uh, develop unity within marriages and within families, within the body of Christ, within our team, um, so that we can be an accurate representation of the bride of Christ, unified in vision, unified in purpose, and in message. Um, so that's a prayer request as well, that there will be continued unification of one spirit um, throughout our team as we go out and preach the gospel around. We have, uh, we're launching into two neighboring chiefdoms this year. We started before we left, and we're going to continue. Um, and that requires new challenges, um, new chiefs and leaders who are 
Some of them are welcoming, some are not. Um, but we are there to preach the word of God and to declare the kingdom of God and destroy the works of the enemy. And um, with that comes pushback, comes challenges, but we know that our God is greater and that when he has called us to these things, he provides everything we need to accomplish his purpose and his word never returns void. And so we ask that you continue to pray for that as well, that open doors, the right relationships are, are there um, and God identifies those people um, and we can pour into them. Um, we are hosting several teams this year. We have four short-term expeditions coming, um, which is amazing and a blessing, huge evangelistic outreaches. Um, but we need, we have, like Chelsea said, we have 50 indigenous and 10 American, but we need more workers um, because the harvest truly is plentiful. God is moving. And if we want to move into these other chiefdoms, we need more people as well. So, And just to touch on that, um, we have several of our indigenous leaders who have been with us for the seven years we've been. And um, it's the cry of our hearts, too, that they will catch the vision beyond what they're doing ministry in their local area and that they will move on to the next chiefdom or to even the next country. We have uh, Zambian missionaries in Congo with one of our teams, and it's hard to get into places like Congo and Gola, but for Zambians, it's simple. Uh, they just have the passport and they go. They don't have to pay a bunch. They don't have to go through all the things. Learning language is simple for them because they already have five, six, seven languages. So that's really a cry of our heart um, for some of these people that we have been intensely discipling to move into the next season of their life and, and ministry um, as well. Um, a personal request is that we have to start homeschooling me, um, but also some of these other young families are doing that, and they kind of look to me for wisdom, and I'm, I am not young, but I'm not obviously super seasoned in that, and so uh, just a lot of grace and prayer for that, uh, for our family uh, in that, and how to lead these, these people um, well. Um, and then the final thing for prayer uh, is really a personal thing for you guys as our church family. Um, so many of you, I can look out and see people who have literally supported me my whole life since I've been here, 35 years, and um, you know helped me get on my first mission trip. I remember walking up here to receive a $100 check from Pastor Davis for my first mission trip. I like can see it in my mind right there. And um, I just, I'm so impacted by that and all the things that Christian Chapel does to encourage missions. I'm just telling you, one of these trips that, that our organization does coming to us, you learn to preach the gospel when you're young. You're never too young. The Bible says that. That's the premise that we go on. That's what we believe in. And if you, we just, we're just praying that you, our church family, will come and visit us. I know it's far. I know it's a long way. I know it's expensive, but it's worth it. Um, the gospel is always worth it. And we just, we have such a desire to see you guys who have invested in us for so many years to come and see the, the, the fruit um, of your labor. Uh, because it's not just like, oh, look what we've done. That's not it. It is look what we have done as the body of Christ. So we just are so hungry for that. And that's our desire for 2024. So Pastor Godfrey, we're making a meeting very soon. <laughs> no pressure. It's <laughs> great. Thanks, Shane. Chelsea. Ben, how about you? Uh, plans for 2024? How can we pray with you? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so uh, having 50 guys that have been trained has a unique problem of they all want to do well repair in their areas. And uh, a well costs about $1,000 to uh, repair. And in the past, we've been doing about 130 um, plus each, probably the last three years. Easily, we could do 250. So you can kind of count that number in your head. Um, and so that's what I'm kind of looking, I'm trying to do that, you know. And so I'm looking at people that have, you know, already donated um, and I'm just undone. I have 
like Christian Chapel has donated so many uh, wells in the last five years, but I'm also looking to expand my network. And so if you guys know people, know grants and things, please um, send them my way. Uh, I love that. Um, I've also developed an app for our guys to do um, the reports and things. And so I'm just um, going to pull that out and I'm praying that they can understand that well. Technology is an issue, you know. Um, and so we're just praying that that can be implemented and it'd be uh, an asset. Um, over the last few years, I've also been traveling um, with our Overland Network in Southeast Asia and other places in Africa. And so like Cambodia is definitely on the radar and just praying into that um, for the future. Uh, Mozambique, we've sat down and talked with drillers and things. Uh, we could pro- um, provide water there. Uh, Angola is knocking on the door a lot too, a lot of possibilities there. So just wisdom going forward and how we can be implemented there. Uh, we're continuing with our trainings this year. I'm just praying for a smoothness there and then just um, some personal support. So, Very good. Thanks, Ben. Uh, as we kick off Kingdom Builders, we want to start just by introducing you to some of the, the people that we support. When we say 60 missionaries and ministries working in 30 nations, uh, these aren't just people who send us an email and then we become partners with them. These are men and women that we know working for trusted organizations who have thoroughly trained them and vetted them. They're men and women who are devoted to God's calling on their life, who are working in significant ministry assignments. Men and women who are living modest lives, who are good stewards of the resources that God has entrusted them with, um, and really just incredibly solid partners in the gospel with us. Uh, Many of them are engaged in ministry in other parts of the world that are very much in line with what we're engaged in in our community here in Tulsa, and they're an extension of us as they travel and as they minister. And so this year, as we move into our Kingdom Builders emphasis, my hope is that um, you not only see missionaries as a worthy investment, but you see the faces, hear the names of your friends, your family members who have been in home groups with you. Um, I know some of you, you were chapel kids or chapel youth leaders for Ben or for Chelsea when they were growing up here. And as we continue to give the Kingdom Builders this year, uh, we're investing in these four missionary units, but we're also investing in 56 others who are doing similar work in different parts of the world. Um, I wish we had more time today because they they all have some incredible stories of things that God has done through them and for them. If you would like to connect with them individually, in just a moment we're going to pray with them, then we're going to let them head out first. They'll be out in the community space. Each of them has a a table set up that will tell you a little bit more about their ministry and some opportunities uh, for you to get in contact with them and get some regular updates on what they're doing. So I'd encourage you, please swing by there, say hi to them. Uh, If you've never met them, go, go introduce yourself. And just uh, take a few moments to do that. But before we let them go, I'm going to ask you to join with me in a prayer for them. Jesus, we thank you for Sean and Sarah. We thank you for Dave and Patty, for Shane and Chelsea, and for Ben. We thank you, Lord, for their surrender to your calling and their obedience to the direction that you've created for their life. Lord, we pray as they head into 2024, we've heard the desires of their heart, the vision that you've placed uh, for their ministry, areas of impact and opportunity. Jesus, we ask in every one of those that the Holy Spirit uh, would be released in personal and powerful ways to help them see the fulfillment of the vision that you've given to them. Lord, we pray in spaces where they need direction that you will bring incredible clarity. 
We pray in the places where they need provision that they would experience you as the Lord who provides. Lord, we ask that your grace and your mercy would overflow in each of their hearts, that you would maintain a strong individual connection between them and you. Lord, we pray that you would speak to them in personal and powerful ways. For those who are married and with families, Lord, we pray your blessing over their marriage and over their family, that you would guard their hearts and minds and repel every attack of the enemy that would desire to separate them or bring division in their home. We pray, Lord, that their, pla- their homes would be places of peace and rest where they experience joy and the presence of your Spirit. Lord, we ask this year that your spirit would continue to go before them in all things and at all times. We believe that you have divine appointments for them to share good news of great joy with all people. And so, Lord, whatever their assignment may be and wherever they find themselves, we ask that they would walk each day in the power of your spirit, displaying the fruit of your spirit and operating in the gifts of the spirit for your glory, for the good of the people they're serving, and for the advancement of the kingdom among every tribe and every nation and every people group. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this podcast from Christian Chapel. For more information, visit us online at christianchapel.com.